Hello, Charlie Clemens here. You're listening to Radio Echo with Fanfara. This is part two of the third episode, which continues my discussion with Francois and Miriam from the Office for Workspace Studies. The previous episode is available on the Radio Echo SoundCloud and EuropeanEcho.com, along with all other Radio Echo Fanfara collaborations. This episode starts with me relating a relatively personal dilemma about some of the work I'm doing at the moment, specifically consultancy, where it's well paid but a bit of a sellout, since the thing that they're buying is not just my labour but also my cultural capital. Francois quite graciously points out that the money earned creates the opportunity to do other work that would otherwise have no space in the economic realm, although I'm still rather ambivalent about that. This then provides a foreground to the following discussion in which we talk about the tendency to choose service work as a second job, this being something which has traditionally required you to give less of yourself away, but now in fact increasingly employs people for their cultural capital as well. I make reference to some articles at this point, one in Jacobin by Peter Fraze, entitled In Defence of Soviet Waiters, and another which this article links to on the 17 principles for the ideal pret worker in the London Review of Books. Links to these are on the European Echo article. Anyway, bringing things full circle, this infiltration of cultural capital into service work is something Francois and Miriam's present concern for the term talent represents quite well. But before I give the whole thing away, we'll proceed with the discussion. So I do this consultancy work and I do it very grudgingly. But again, it's like money, you know, (laughs) I need money. Primarily they're looking at like what particular things are happening in the future with with new what people like what consumers are buying into in the future and it's not something I'm particularly proud of Mm. particularly because like I think a lot of creative workers they they work in like service because there is really no sellout element really you know like whereas I think for me it's a bit like this is really well paid and I don't have to do much and, the question, and they're and they really they're really impressed by very little. But I think it's, again we can go to the idea of the personal agenda. Like I mean, because I also have this situation sometimes where I have like jobs which I feel like, you know, it's just the amount of of money that you get out of it is really ridiculously high compared to the amount of work. But at the same moment, you're like, why I'm doing that? But also, but also what you do with the money because like with all this money. It, it helps you founding uh, projects which have no space in economical space. But because of this, somehow it does. So somehow you can consider it as like some kind of a grant or funding towards something else, which is kind of disruptive from the original work, no? I wonder whether or not, like, because uh, my main concern with like what, what I'm doing as well is like, with the, with what I had done so far is that it, I didn't give a shit because like it didn't, represent me it didn't mm-hmm. ha- have any connection to what i yeah. was about um if they want to pay me money to sort of find out about um what what's happening in um holistic medicine or something like that you know mm-hmm. i i it yeah it's 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 just research mm-hmm. that i just find quite boring um and i kind of think I don't even really give a shit if it's a very good job. Like, I can just... If they're stupid enough to pay me, basically, is my point. But, like, as soon as it becomes that, like, sucking the life out of something that I'm... That you're consuming. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, But 
do you think that there is a way of just like continuing this sort of dual life of authenticity outside of your work life that isn't tainted by what you do in your work but I think in your case it's really more difficult I mean it it depends in your case it's more difficult because like the two works also two identities which are like in this uh, fully embedded person I mean you as a consultant is not like a brand where you work at it's you the person so they come to see you for consultancy to the same extent that your other project is is still represented as you while in our cases working for a company a corporation or an entity uh, that embodies specific values but that is kind of really framed within a specific territory makes us having the ability to get into that territory to bring in this identity to play it to act it and then Mm -hmm. when we go out we're play another identity and what's most important is that we're replaceable like yeah. we're bodies that could be replaced by the next one, you know. So they're here for your the life that you're leading. Like they're they want that. They want you and your taste in music and everything of that. When when it comes to me working in a restaurant, I'm just like I'm a body uh, with a certain character and with a certain warmth and charisma, I guess. But every other person also has it. You say that, but I mean, I wonder, thinking about like the Pret-a-Manger example, and you know, there's yeah. like the Pret buzz. Have you heard of that term? No. They they hire people on the basis that they get on and they're cool and they kind of like have this interaction that like, yeah, yeah. the guy who owns Pret-a-Manger goes into... Pret-a-Manger? Yeah, sorry, maybe... Oh, uh, okay, it's very, very big in London. Um, okay. Perhaps... Oh, Pret-a-Manger, like in French. Pret- yeah, Ready to eat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, this company, and it, it's like Starbucks, yeah. kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. Starbucks, they, you know, they put uh, hearts and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, but, so, these guys, like, the, the guy who runs it, he says he can go into a restaurant and just immediately see who the good workers are because they touch each other. But you can be trained to have this tactical... Oh, totally, yeah. I mean, they give bonuses for, like, better workers who can go... I I still don't get it. Okay, yeah. Sorry, what? what? Uh, Maybe I can vulgarize it because I didn't know. So I I think it's it's a restaurant. Yeah. And the the idea is that people that work there, like, they are tactile. So, like, they are, like, hi, how are you doing? But also, like, they touch kind of the people. Like co-workers. So they're, like, getting on with each other. They have to... But it's, like, part of their way of... Part of their way of behaving, too. You know, it's, like, their attitude. Should I read out some of the 17 principles that they... uh, Yeah, please. I just... I'm just a bit too... So, so basically, this fellow was... Um, this Czech guy was fired. And the reason that pret gave was that he had um, said homophobic comments to a co-worker um, ten months previously. And um, it just so happened that this guy had been instrumental in organising a union much yeah, more recently. Yeah. So they found this pretext ten months before. And... Um, the article talks about how Pratt will be disappointed that their workers want to even join a union because why would they want to join a union when they're having such a great time and they get they're bonuses? They're performing Aww. such a great time. Yeah. They're behaving, they're acting the great time because they're asked to have this attitude at work. Yeah. So um, pret don't pay the living wage, so they don't actually pay a wage that yeah. um, you can live in London on. So the idea of them having a really great time and like being given bonuses for that great time 
is kind of bogus, really, because like if they're not making enough money to live, then yeah, they can't. Yeah. Then it must surely be an act. People could infer that, yeah. Christ. But anyway, this is okay. some of the I'll read because he picks out the best ones. Among seventeen things they don't want to see is that someone is moody or bad tempered, mm-hmm. annoys people, overcomplicates ideas. Or he's just there for the money. Ooh. Overcomplicates the ideas and is just there for the money. One of my teachers talked to me about the Abercrombie and Fitch in Tokyo. They hire people based and the and the, the contract, the hiring contract is an actor contract. What does it mean? Because like it means that you can hire people according to like visual uh, characteristics, but it also it's kind of an explicit link towards the fact that while you're working there, you're performing, you're acting. You're like, hey, how are you doing? Try these clothes. And you know they're like, having fun. And this is just, this is acting. This is performance. This is like a stage. The, the workplace is a stage. But what is interesting is that they're explicitly stated by their own like hiring conditions. You're an actor. You're not an employer. And this is made like to skim beyond the law or like, you know, go on aside. But also this is kind of really relevant because like there's a lack of not hypocrisy, but there's something really real in that, that is also applied to other spaces. It's like the next level thing. We're all going to be hard as hackers, maybe one day. So with like the um, Soviet waiters thing, I, I kind of, I think that's quite a good, it's like almost an ideal in, mm. in my head, actually. It's like, no, we're not going to be happy or we're going to be ourselves, you know, like, because yeah. in preparation, I I called my dad in, in England and I asked him, because he travelled around Eastern Europe in the 70s. Yeah. So he went to uh, Czech Republic and Yugoslavia and Hungary and yeah. Romania. And um, he didn't go to the Soviet Union. But So it might be that that's why it was different. But I said to him, did you encounter bad service? And he said quite the opposite. He was like, people were so pleased that we were there and they were, like, yeah. it might have been because they but were trying to prove like, yeah. we're, we're people as well. But there is always the fascination with foreigners. Yeah, totally. because maybe a Soviet waiter with Soviet customers would be a different thing. Yeah, because the, the moment there is like a someone from the outside, it's like... Waiters, especially in the, in the States, you know, there, there's like... A waiter in France is not the same at all as a waiter in the US for really different reasons. Also, like because of the minimum wage and the tips and mm-hmm. also because of uh, cultural differences. But like... With pe- somebody that is used to 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 be able like uh, to 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 eat in the U.S., then a, like a foreign waiter could be able to. But I, I think the customers. It's not just a case of like disciplining or, or training the employers or the service staff. Mm. Customers also have to be kind of socialized into this fake, insincere yeah. way of working. Speaking of my own experience in England, culture there is like leave me alone like why are you why are you bothering me i'm just browsing or yeah or like maybe i want to have a conversation but maybe i don't you know can you just like back off yeah. it's, it's a lot of that and i i think that's probably replicated in a lot of european countries and people have to get used to that yeah this sort of way of working i mean i don't interact with the tables that much in the restaurant but whenever i do then there's like the american tables that oh yeah that are like i'm like Good evening, welcome. And then they're like, hey, how are you? And I'm totally stunned. Like, what? (laughs) Me? Like, I know that it's this bullshit, like, small talk, but it kind of 
drives me totally off the track because I'm not expect expecting to have a like this kind of hey how are you and I I have to make an conscious effort to say I'm good how are you you know you have to like you yeah you have to uh, but, do what they're yeah, expecting of yeah you. exactly yeah. and and I'm just so always so stunned by this thing and I'm like how. Like, I'm literally on this, like, little, like, on my own robotic uh, kind of adventure. I have my kind of social norms that I'm, like, filling up. And whenever there's this, like, hey, how are you? Like, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? And my, my head wants to explode. As soon as you turn around, right? You're just kind of... Oh. Yeah, but, uh, yeah it's, it's funny, like, when I started to work at the restaurant, also, like, my... Because as an ex-call center employee your identity is being driven by your voice. So the, the voice can say, ah, that's really interesting. I'm really happy to hear that. But your face can just say like, yeah. and so uh, the, the kind of fun to do is to have a face to say to your colleagues, like, oh, what the fuck is this person saying? And yeah. then it's like, oh, great. I'm really happy that uh, you were going at this school. It's a really nice choice. I understand that you cannot be interested in, you know. So um, starting to work at the restaurant, like, the first things that I realized was that my body was continuing to perform these kind of types of gestures. So having a customer asking me like a question which I would think would be stupid and then my voice would say, oh, but actually it's totally right. But then my face saying, you know, like having this kind of judgmental eye that lasts for one second and then realizing that this is wrong. I had to train my whole body to embody this idea, you know, the emotions pass through the body in a restaurant. And also like talking about like, different types of services. Uh, I think this was also something that was striking when, because I'm from Canada, and so it's the same culture as in the US. Mm -hmm. And arriving in France, like the, the service uh, in a restaurant is fairly different. It's more like a, uh, based on the experience that you have with the people that you sit with and the food and the time. Mm -hmm. And then while in Canada and the US, it's all about like being fast, you know, service is fast, entertaining. And we keep on asking you if everything is all right, if that's good, it's cool. And then you, we ask you for the bill right after. You're like, oh, I, you do want a bill? And um, so my parents, when they come here, they're really uh, disappointed by service and they keep on complaining. And also to the same extent, when I go to Montreal, I was like, like what this waiter wants me? Like, it's, it's four times asking me if everything is all right. Like, do you want some extra tip? Leave me alone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, talking to my dad about it, he was kind of comparing pubs uh, to, to like, mm -hmm. cafes and restaurants and, and particularly, like, American-influenced cafes in England. And, like, pubs, you, you know, it's actually often also the staff might develop relationships with a regular, you know, mm -hmm. and the regulars might actually be people that listen to the staff's bad day, you know, mm -hmm. and there's this real fake service and receiver of service dichotomy that that you you're both talking about that that really doesn't appeal to me and i think when i go to a place i want to feel like okay i'm just around other people not someone who's serving me i, yeah. I want to feel like okay maybe someone's pissed off today and like but that's quite predictable some people mm -hmm aren't happy in general and are more, more yeah. sullen and I want to see that I, I, you know to to pretend that everybody's happy is this kind of it, it's all image you know yeah. and, and it's, it's kind of like what the boss says about 
in the society of the spectacle, you know, we're just, it's a social relationship mediated by images, right? So we're all just, rather than engaging as humans, we're, we're just images, yeah. you know? But unhappiness does not sell. It's like, um, there's this British uh, kind of reality TV show, I think it's called The Call Center, and it's, it's like in Swansea, uh, which is a city in the... In Wales, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the the boss of the call center always says, like, happiness sells, happiness sells. We don't want unhappy people. Happiness sells. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you... The reality of the human being is that you can have any... You know, you have positive and negative emotions, and somehow without the negative emotions, you don't know that you have positive... And, you know, this is, like, complicated. I mean, the, the human... The spectrum of emotions is complicated, but uh, yeah, uh, when working, you have to to behave in a certain way and like perform types of emotions in order to to fit in the space. But also because of yeah, uh, general, you know, yeah, setting. It's true. But um, it might work for you. I mean, actually, I would also prefer to uh, hear like real honest comment, and also because I feel like if I can develop empathy towards you know we're all in this position so somehow like if you receive service from somebody you're in the same position as it you know you're, you're not like in this relationship of yeah. the patron versus the the paid servant is is more like uh, we are we're all behaving as servants at some time and when we are not behaving as such we can understand what it is Yeah, I, I like Starbucks, for instance, and talking about like that, you know, the leader of leader, the CEO says like he wants a place where if you go in, you can get the same thing at any place in the world, you know, and I, I think like it's a globalization of insincerity and or a globalization of American work regime, which is really bad for humanity. But maybe that's a good way of concluding. Radio Echo with Fanfara is a European Echo production. You can follow us by searching Radio Echo on the podcast app or liking European Echo on Facebook. The theme was Cass by Jim Clemose.